glad that you're with us. We were away uh, this last week. We left last Sunday. Um, we were away last Sunday and, and we're back. We came back in yesterday. We were at conference, our district conference in Kelowna, BC. It was a great time. Uh, one of our keynote speakers was Carrie Newhoff, who is the uh, founding and teaching pastor at Connexus Church out in uh, Ontario. And he's a, uh, he's a former Presbyterian. And so when he came into our Pentecostal conference, he says it's probably the most he's moved in a decade. But he was, uh, he was great, just bringing challenge to leaders and uh, just, just filling us up. We had, we had great times of prayer at the altar together, and I'm just excited. Now, <clears throat> I may not sound super excited, because along with just an infilling of the Spirit and, and, and an energy for, and a passion for a rekindling, a passion for ministry in this town and everything else, I also received some kind of a cold. And so I'm going to try my very best not to sniff and snort and cough through this entire sermon. So you please excuse me. But if you're with us today, we find ourselves in the middle of a series entitled James, From Skeptic to Servant. And today, if you have your Bibles, you can track with us in the book of James, starting chapter 1. And we're going to be digging into 19 and 21, verses 19 and 21. And if you're new to church or you're new to faith or you're here just kind of exploring with us, uh, if you come and just chat with me after the service, I would love to get you a Bible. I would love to put a Bible in your hand because we believe that God's Word is living and active, that when we dig into God's Word, it changes everything, changes our perspectives. It opens our eyes to see some things that we've never seen before. And so I would love to be able to give you a Bible after the service. But James chapter 1, 19 to 21. And James, he sums up his introduction to his letter to the dispersed Christians. And really what we're about to read today is really the thesis statement of the entire book of James. He's got three elements in this, in this verses that we want to dig into today. And it's the thesis for the rest of his book. And before we do that, uh, we're going to just, we're going to open in prayer. Lord, we thank you that we are all active participants in the reading of God's word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have come to teach us and to guide us. That you have come to allow us to grow more and more like Jesus every day. And so God, we just submit ourselves now to the preaching of your word. We submit ourselves now to the leading of your spirit. Lord, we're not listening to a man. We're listening to your spirit. Whatever that looks like. Lord, if you want to distract us with other things, would you distract us and take us down that journey of hearing your voice as we open the scriptures today. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not often that public speakers will give you permission to be distracted. But if the Spirit of God is distracting you from what's going on up here, that's okay. Dig into that. Because we're, we're actively participating with the Spirit as we open God's word. Now, I have a philosophy that I live by in most things, and the, the title of my sermon today is Woe Turbo. Woe Turbo. And I have a philosophy in most things, and, and I don't know really where it came from, and I don't even really intentionally think about it. It's, it's not spiritual. It's not rooted in good theology. It's just simply my default behavior when I'm not being intentional. Ready? Here's, here's what it is. This is my philosophy. Faster is better. Anybody out there like that? 
faster is just better. Um, on, uh, on Friday afternoon, we were driving back from Kelowna back to the Lower Mainland. I made good time. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I made good time. I'm not going to incriminate myself, though. And uh, faster is better. That's the philosophy. I mean, when it comes, if I can shave four seconds off of my commute, it's a win for me. Like other people go, like, well, why'd you pass them? You, well, you saved two seconds. I'm like, exactly. Or, or in, in this way, I'm also pretty quick. I can formulate opinions on matters that I've never really given thought to in seconds. Anybody else like that? Where you can formulate opinions on things you've never even thought of before. Like that. Faster is better. This is the philosophy. This is why on social media, I have to be really, really intentional. I have a rule. If I'm going to write something really opinionated on social media, Lisa has to read it first before I hit post. Because oftentimes, it is not a wise thing to put out there. But unfortunately, my default is faster is better. And this verse of Scripture is not my favorite because it irks me a little bit. It kind of comes against my default broken philosophy of doing everything fast. And here's what it says. Let's read it together in James 1, 19 to 21. Starting verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers... Let every person be quick. Well, this is, this is starting off good, right? Let every person be quick. This is speaking my language. But let's move on. Quick to hear. Quick to listen. So wait a second. That, that's not the kind of stuff I like to be quick at. I like being quick at formulating my assumptions about you while you're talking to me. I, I like being quick about forming an opinion about what you're saying to me. I, I'm not good at being quick to listen. And James is giving us a reality check that, and it's one that hurts because it flies in the face of, of our default behavior as human beings. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Listen to understand. Listen to understand. This is a discipline that will absolutely change your life if you will dig into it. Listen to understand. Have you heard of the term active listening? Active listening. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a good active listener. This is a skill that is a learned behavior for most people and not one that comes naturally. And James knows this. And we all do this, and it gets us into trouble. We listen so we can gather just enough information to make an assumption in our opinion. In fact, a lot of times, we will formulate an assumption about what someone is trying to say to us before they even begin talking, just based on their mood, based on what they look like, based on who they are, based on your past history with them. We will form assumptions and opinions before someone even opens their mouth to talk to us. But James says, be quick to listen. Listen to understand. I remember I had a lady from our community come into our office when I was pastoring in Surrey. And, and this is the, this is the, 
you know, you know, preachers go, you know, I'm going to call this lady Judy. You know, like, they, they make up a name because they don't want to say the real name. Here, here's, here's the problem with active listening for me. I couldn't even tell you this lady's real name. Because here's what I do, and I don't know if any of you can do, you relate to this. What I do is I come up to someone, I go, hi, I'm Lucas. What's your name? And they say their name, and while they're saying their name, I'm formulating the next thing I need to say so it's not awkward. And so they say their name, but because my mind is elsewhere formulating the things I want to say so it's not awkward, so we can have a conversation, I forget their name like that. Active listening. Did you know that they say, if you can say someone's name seven times in that first interaction, you, you will remember it much, much better? That's why there's people that are really good at this. So they'll go, hi, I'm Lucas. What's your name? Oh, my name's Aaron. Oh, Aaron, it's good to meet you. Aaron, where are you from? Oh, Aaron, I love that. I, I'm from blah, blah, blah. And if you can repeat their name in your first interaction seven times, it'll help take from your short-term memory into more of a long-term memory part of your brain. Active listening. But here's why that's so important. Because the next time you see that person, guess what? How powerful is it when you are called by your name? How special do you feel when you're called by your name? Active listening. Be quick to listen. So this lady comes into the office and she begins to share this story of this long-distance relationship that she has. With a, with a guy that she's met over the internet. And she's about eight to nine months into this. And she's madly in love with this man. And this man had the worst luck ever. This guy kept on just hitting life. And stuff would happen. And, and scenario after scenario would happen. And, and every single scenario meant he was in a financial crisis. And so this woman who's madly in love with this man that she's never met, but she spends tons of time on the internet with him, is sending him money to relieve his financial crisis because this guy has the worst luck in the world. She's about five minutes into her story, and I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking right now. How well do you think I was actively listening after five minutes of hearing your story? No, I was formulating my assumptions and I was formulating how am I going to let this lady know that she's being conned. And so she continued and it got to the point where this guy was kidnapped and he's in northern Africa and he's kidnapped and, and she's broken because she's going to have to dig into her life savings to be able to ransom the love of her life out of this kidnapped situation. And remember, my default is faster is better. And so I came and I just jumped in at that point and I said, listen, the man that you're in love with doesn't exist. You're being conned. Here's what you need to do. You need to call the RCMP, start a file. You probably won't see that money ever again, but at least start a file. 
Don't ever send money to this person ever again. But here's, here's the problem. Here's what I did. Because I wasn't listening, I said all the right things. I said what I needed to say. But I did not in any way, shape, or form empathize with this woman. I didn't take two seconds to sit back and go, this woman is in love with this guy. Absolutely head over heels in love to the point where she's willing to sacrifice everything to save him. My lack of listening allowed me to be one of the worst pastors ever in that moment because I told her what she needed to hear. But I didn't care for her. I didn't take a step back and have empathy for her story. I made an assumption. I drew an opinion. And here's what we do. Oftentimes it's not even what we say back. But do we truly hear people? Not just what they're saying. Do we truly hear the story of our neighbor? Do we truly hear the story of our coworker? Or are we quickly jumping to opinions and assumptions about them? Are you quick to listen? Do you listen to understand? Be quick to listen. Discipline yourself to stop formulating opinions and making assumptions as people speak to you. Why? Because it's not until you fully understand that you can respond with wisdom, empathy, and love. It's not until you've truly listened that you can begin to minister one to another. And then James goes on. And this is the part that gets under my skin. This, this, this single three words are the hardest three words for me as a, as a preacher. Slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Be slow to open your trap. James is putting it very nicely. The Lucas translation would read this. Shut up. The writer of Proverbs, he puts it this way. In Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Ouch. Now you need to know that I'm preaching today to an audience of three people. So if I come off a little bit strong, that's why. And I'm, I'm going to break every rule in the book when it comes to preaching. I'm going to reveal the names of the three people that I'm preaching to today. This breaks every rule in pastoring a church, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm preaching to me, myself, and I. And so if I get a little bit passionate... That is why. And you can ask Lisa. She can tell you what it's like to live with a person that can form an opinion on anything in seconds. Like it's a superpower. Recently I was in Calgary and my brother, he introduced me to a new word that I've never heard before. Maybe some of you have. But the word is this. Ultra-crepidarian. 
ultra crepidarian. And the definition is this, noting or contributing to areas that are outside of your scope and or level of expertise. There's, there's actually a story attached to this. Uh, ultra, above the soul. It literally means above the soul. And when we talk soul, we're talking soul, soul of your shoes. And there was a designer that was making this beautiful kind of outfit for a king, for an emperor. And so he gathered the brightest minds in their field. And he began with the cobbler. And he asked the cobbler, what should these shoes look like? And the cobbler said, this is what they should look like. And this is what they should be. And, and then he went on and began to ask the, the tailor and the, the different. And the cobbler piped in and began to give his opinion. And the designer said, I don't need your opinion above the soul. In other words, I brought you here as a specialist in this area. Your opinion matters very little in these areas. I have others for that. Ultra crepidarian, noting or contributing to areas that are outside of your scope. And, and when my brother told me this story, my brother Dan, by the way, I told him that I'd give him a shout out. So shout out to Dan. He's going to be listening online this week. When my brother told me this story, I kind of sat back and went, man, that sounds a lot like me. And he said, yeah, me too. We're all a little bit of an ultra-crepidarian. We're just too quick to speak. Wise men and women are slow to speak. Why? Because wise men and women are those who have gathered the facts heard the parties involved, and have a humility that says, I don't have it all figured out. That's what wisdom looks like. We have this idea that wisdom looks like people who have it all figured out. You know what? The wisest among us are the ones who are the slowest to speak because they are living in a, in a paradigm that's, that's, that's just so humble that they realize, I don't have it all figured out. And before I open my big trap, I'm going to take the time to listen. I'm going to take the time to look into this. And then once I feel that I have formed an opinion based on fact, based on the scriptures, based on truth, based on personalities and relations, and listening, then I will open my mouth. These are the kind of people who don't say much, but when they do open their mouths, Everybody around them tends to listen. Anybody know those kind of people? They're the kind of people that sit around leadership tables. And they'll just sit there. Through issue after issue after issue. For thing after thing after thing. But when they do open their mouth. Everybody takes note. Everybody listens. Those who are slow to speak are much better at asking good questions than they are at making statements. See, James is writing to a church. James is writing to the, the scattered church abroad. And the reality of being scattered, the reality of being out there is they needed one another. They needed community. They needed to be one with another. But they needed to be in unity because there's nothing else. The world was coming against them. And so James knew if you're going to be united in community, if you're going to be together, if you're going to be able to do this thing, you needed to be quick to listen. You needed to be slow to, to speak. 
Finally, James admonishes us. He challenges us to be a people that are slow to anger. And let me ask you a question before we get into this. Can you make a list of moments of anger in your life that resulted in solution, resolution, and or good fruit? How big is that list? Can you make a list? Can you even put a couple together? I know everybody, all, all, everybody's going straight to like righteous anger. I'm, okay, I'm thinking righteous anger. I'm just talking where you got mad and you got frustrated and you lashed out and it led to good stuff. Anybody out there? I couldn't make a list. Verse 19, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Slow to anger. James is not the only one who sees a need to, to take the time to talk about anger as human beings. So why does our anger result in unrighteousness? Because our anger is our reaction to injustice against us. Our anger is our reaction to attack or perceived attack. Our anger is rarely rooted in the righteous anger of God, but rather the anger of being wronged, hurt, or taken advantage of. Anger is a reaction, emotion. Romans 12, 17, Paul says it this way, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, oh, avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you shall reap, heap coals of fire on his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is not natural. This is not our typical reactions to being wrong. Why is James digging into being slow to anger? Because James understands that we are called to love even our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us, to return cursing with blessing. This kind of living is, is going to fly in the face of everything that you want to do. And this has everything to do with our reactions. Now here's where the big question comes. Does this include social media? You know what, we live in a, we live in a quite a day, don't we? Where everyone can have an opinion, and everyone can make that opinion public. Um, you know, it's funny, and I'm just going to dig into this a little bit, because this seems to be where a lot of us are expressing ourselves passive-aggressively. Um, if I want to be grieved, 
I just jump onto Facebook and I just look at what my brothers and sisters are saying. And it's funny because we kind of we kind of have this thing. I, I, I'm going to dig into this because we don't often have someone stand up like in this, an assembled body like this and just start passive-aggressively sharing their thoughts and opinions. That just doesn't happen very often. If that was happening on a regular basis, we'd be digging into that. But we kind of take our faith and we disassociate our faith from our presence on social media and the public forum. Um, just, just a little while ago, I had someone that, that I've known, that I've ministered with for a long time, and they posted something, and man, did it grieve me. Just, just grieved me. It wasn't bringing unity to the church, it was bringing disunity. It was just, it was so ugly. And so I did as, as you know, you're trying to take Matthew 18, how do you deal with conflict? I tried to do that as best I can in this 21st century, and so I privately messaged them. Uh, they're not, by the way, not here in, in, in Powell River. And just said, hey, just want you to know that, that that just grieved me. And I don't see how anything good could come of that, being out there in the public forum the way that it's, it was presented. And... Too often, too often we are, we, we're, we're not even slow to anger, we're, we're slow to speak as well. And God is bringing us to a new way, as Paul was saying, like, listen, even if they're your enemy, you're to bless them. Right? Like, just make it in an election year and watch the church go to town. Well, what did Jesus say about our leaders? We pray for them. Did he say those are the leaders that are like-minded and the leaders that are doing everything that we feel is just and right and no in fact the early church had Nero he lit Christians on fire and had dinner parties by the light of them <laughs> we need to bless we need to be a people of blessing but the only way we can do that is if we begin to walk in this slowness to our reaction, which is too often this anger that comes in us. And it does not produce righteousness. It produces the exact opposite. James tells us that it produces unrighteousness in us. We respond with blessing not because others deserve it, but because we are commanded to. And ultimately we do it because when we respond with blessing, God is changing something in us. 
When you begin to respond being slow to anger and to respond with love and blessing, when you begin to discipline yourself to turn the other cheek when you're offended or when you're attacked or when you're criticized, Yes, God is doing something, you know, James says, you know, Paul says in doing so, in, in giving a soft answer, in doing all these things, you're heaping coals upon your enemy. Because they're kind of going, they're, they're not ready for that, they're not used to that. But ultimately, I think the bigger thing that Christ is doing in us, is he's changing us into the righteousness of God. Be slow to anger. When we are slow to anger, we respond to curses with blessing. And there's a deep work that the Spirit does in us. In fact, the more this work takes root in us, the more beautiful this life becomes. Because we stop getting so darn stressed out about what other people think or what other people are saying. The more and more we do this and operate in this way, the more and more we get really obsessed with what God is saying about us. We get really obsessed about our identity in Christ. Because that's where we need to dig in to be able to do this. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word it stirs up anger. Man, the application, we could talk about marriage. <laughs> we can all relate to that one. Sometimes all it takes is a soft word when you want to just scream. Sometimes all it takes is a soft word when you just want to push someone's button instead and escalate the situation. And James says, hey guys, if you want to do this, if you want to have safe community, if you want to do this for the long haul with one another, making Jesus' name famous, touching your community with the love of the gospel of Christ, then be quick to listen. Listen to understand. Be slow to speak. And I'm preaching to myself. And be slow to anger. Because your reaction of anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And I, I, I truly believe, friends, I truly believe if we, if we take that and we start running with that, begin to form some of those habits in our lives, We'll, we'll, we'll affect change in our community. If we can live one with another in here with long suffering. I love Paul when he talks about community. He's, you know, we like all these words like unity and love. And, and then Paul throws in long suffering. Guess what? There's going to be people in the body of Christ that you may not like. You may have to suffer long in community, being slow to anger, being slow to speak, quick to listen, quick to understand their story. 
But if we'll do that, I believe we will continue to create safe places for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. To encounter His love and to look more and more like Him every day. But if we won't, if we won't, we'll just be another stereotype of the church. And ineffective. And I believe God has called us to be effective. Amen. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love that leads and guides us. Your love that has taken us as Christ followers, just as we are, exactly where we are. We thank you, Lord, that when we look back in our life, everything, good, bad, ugly, every success and every failure, we recognize your hand of grace in every single place. But we also realize, Lord, that you bring us to be people of intention. People that hear the truth and then our doers, as we're going to look in next week, are doers of the truth. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would be a church that is quick to listen to one another, that is quick to listen to our community, that is quick to listen to our neighbors and our friends, that we would be a church that is slow to speak, that we would not be ultra-crepidarians, but rather, Lord, we would be slow to speak, slow to form our opinions and our assumptions. But Lord, when we do speak, that it would be just absolutely saturated with the wisdom that comes from your Spirit. And Lord, that you would do a work in us, that we would be a people that are slow to anger. God, you didn't call us to be reactionary. You called us to be on the front lines. Lord God, would you help us to just take some of our defaults of being reactionary to criticism, being reactionary to people coming against us, where we want to just let anger take over. Lord, would you help us not to be reactionary as fathers and as mothers towards our children when they just get really crazy? Would you help us to be slow to anger? For some of us, Lord, that we would stop perpetuating a cycle that we saw growing up. But rather we would show our kids a better way. And Lord, as a result, would you cause us by your spirit to be effective in lifting up the name of Jesus. Because, Lord, we know that your word says when you're lifted up, you will draw all men and women unto you. And ultimately, that's what this is all about. Lord, yes, we get better and we live more fulfilled lives. Yes, all of that. But, God, ultimately, it's all about your mission on this earth of reaching the lost for Christ Jesus. And so, Lord God, would you continue to keep us laser-focused, keeping the main thing the main thing. That, God, in every discipline and everything that we do in our lives, that, Lord God, it would be towards that common goal of seeing men and women, boys and girls, 
come to know and have a living faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're, we're five minutes early, and, and that's great, because what I wanted to do is we're not going to end with music or song, all of that. We're just going to end as being the church. And so if you're in this place and, and you look around this room and there's someone you don't know, uh, why don't you go be quick to listen? Go be quick to listen. Meet someone new today. Be a blessing. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, maybe, maybe one party or the other will have to pick who's going to be slow to speak and who's going to... Or it'll get really awkward. God bless you, everyone. Have a great week.